What can we do as parents to help our children learn to play independently? Do children learn to play more on their own at a specific age? Do the toys in their environment matter? In today's episode, I'll answer all these questions and more. Welcome to Curious Neuron, a podcast about child development and education with information that is backed by science. I am your host, Cindy Huffington. I have a doctorate degree in neuroscience and postdoctoral training in education. My specialties are understanding how the brain develops and how play promotes learning. I love searching through science articles to see what I could apply with my own three kids, and I want to share this information with you. Follow Curious Neuron on Instagram to vote for the topics I'll cover and send in your questions for the experts. For more information, visit us at CuriousNeuron.com. That's Curious, N-E-U-R-O-N.com. Hi everyone, welcome back to Curious Neuron. Before I begin today's episode, I just want to take a moment to thank everyone who's been listening to my podcast. Um, I've been getting a lot of emails from people around the world saying that they've been learning a lot about screen time and emotional outbursts and bilingualism because of our first three episodes, and I'm really grateful for the time that you took to email me. I really love what I do when it comes to Curious Neuron. I love reading the scientific articles and trying to summarize them um, for all the parents and all the caregivers and um, grandparents and, and teachers out there. So it really means a lot to me when you take a moment to, um, to let me know if you're learning something from this. As I record this podcast right now, I'm in the basement of my home. It's 11.30 p.m. and my kids are sleeping and this is what I do when um, they go to bed. And it's even more exciting for me knowing that you are enjoying it. So thank you again uh, to everyone who's taken the time to email me. And if you have any questions or comments, please email me because all of your feedback is what will help me improve this podcast for you. My guest today is a parenting coach from Singapore. She specializes in positive parenting and play-based learning. Her website and Instagram account called Our Little Play Nest are filled with activities and information to help parents build their confidence. On her website, you can even subscribe to get a free positive parenting learning series. I'm so excited to speak to my guest today, Jacinthe. Hi. Thank you for having me here. You know, I, I love following your account and I love your website and the information you provide for parents and the activities. And, you know, you just don't give the activities, but you also give a lot of information and you have a lot of valuable stuff for, for parents. So I'm really excited to speak to you today. Yeah, I do share it on my platforms, um, my Instagram account, because I think parents are really busy. I like to give bite-sized information that will help them to learn better. So today we're talking about independent play. Um, and I think before we talk about it, I, I think that there are a lot of perhaps misconceptions or misunderstandings when it comes to independent play. Perhaps parents thinking that this happens on their, you know, on, on their own or that it happens at a very young age. So I, I really want to touch base on all of those points with you. And um, maybe before we begin, uh, I'd like to know, you know, how you define independent play. Okay, so when we say a child plays independently, we are saying that they are playing with their own um, initiative. They lead the play. And so this play occurs when they entertain themselves without any other social involvement. So the adult can still be present, but the child who is having independent play will not notice or acknowledge the other adult or other children around. So independent play is really when they play it on their own they decide what to do 
and um, basically they work on their own um, imaginative skills, creativity, and they decide what they want. How about when siblings are playing together? Is this independent play? So it depends if the child is playing with the sibling. If he's playing with the sibling that is not independent play, it is what we know as parallel play. They're playing with each other, but they're not really interacting together. However, if they are interacting together, then um, that will not be independent play because there's some kind of social you know, interaction that could be a cooperative play or... Um, them working and solving conflicts and on with each other. And does a child develop the ability to play independently at a certain age? Um, in fact, babies in their cribs can actually play on their own. They can play independently on their own with their voices, making sounds or playing with their hands, right? Mm-hmm. So, but I guess when the babies grow older, then they have more a better developmental skills. They can engage in more complex activities, and that's where they can play a little longer. So I don't think there's a specific age like a child to play on his own. Do you, would you consider it a, a milestone or is this a skill that they learn? Mm, for them to play on their own, they need a certain level of skills. Mm-hmm. So developmental milestones are actually behaviors or physical skills that are seen in infants or children as they grow and develop. So when they play independently, they need to have some kind of motor, motor coordination, some kind of cognitive development. So yes, independent play is a developmental milestone. Um, however, if we talk about infants, they can play independently, but then the level of play is different, right? Because infants, they can't really do much. But a toddler mm-hmm. or a, a preschooler is able to play independently with his ability um, as a developmental milestone. Mm-hmm. I see what you're saying. And I think also from my perspective in terms of uh, brain science, I think the skill, you mentioned something important and it's, you know, there are skills involved in this. And for me, what stands out is sustained attention. So if a child is able to stay focused for a long period of time, then they're able to play independently a little bit longer. Um, and this is a skill that starts to develop around the age of nine months. Before that, you know, it's okay if a child isn't playing on their own, but we can sort of guide them into it, I guess, I, I would say. Yeah. So as I was reading up, um, there was this researcher, Mildred Parton. She came up with these six stages of play that children progress through. And independent play is not the first step. So the first ah. step is, yeah, unoccupied play. So um, they're not really moving, like mm-hmm. babies. Um, so they're just looking at things around them, maybe mm-hmm. touching a little... And yeah, that, that's basically the first level. And then children move on to independent play where they start to you know, have their own thoughts and they decide how they want to play. They explore freely. And then we have onlooker play where they just watch other children play. Daughter doing that too. Just oh, watching, yes. yeah. And then when the <laughs> yes. child sits next to her, um, but they don't interact together. But they're just playing on their own parallel play. And mm-hmm. I think um, the later stages of play include associative play where they are interested to play with the other kids. I wonder, did she mention age groups? Because I think in terms of social development, a child before the age of three usually prefers to play on their own versus at around the age of three, then they become a bit more interested in playing with others. That's So that's interesting that you're making that link. Yeah, but she didn't mention that there's a um, fixed age because every child is different. Yeah even without the ages, I think it's interesting because I could almost see the 
those levels and those stages that you mentioned, I could picture them with my own children as well. Um, even now I have a five month old and he sort of does his own thing, but it's not at the level of independent play yet. And I love the, you, what was the first step you called? The um, unoccupied play. Uh, yeah, yeah, and it really makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what he, he, he does now. And perhaps even uh, in terms of the cognitive milestones, I know that, you know, around six months, then they begin to reach for things that interest them. Yep. So that it's interesting to see the flow in, in those stages and the, the milestones as well. Uh, and um, do you... I guess, it, it, does independent play help with development? So do we really want to help our child do this in order to promote development in, in them? Yes, I think um, as parents, we can do a lot to make a difference. If we want our, our children to be playing independently, then um, definitely we have to guide and nurture them mm -hmm. and also to set an environment that's suitable for independent play. So maybe I'll go a little bit um, to detail. Yes, please. We want to be present with mm -hmm. our children when they play, but we do not want to hover around and um, intervene um, too often. We are there to let them feel safe to explore and um, it's highly encouraged that you play with your child instead of playing for your child. Um, no, you play with your child mm -hmm. instead of doing it for them. So let me give you an example. Let's say you see, you can say, oh, I see a little red car here. I wonder what we can do with it versus Let's take the red car and run it around the track. Yeah, so you are present, you're there mm -hmm. to let them feel safe, but you don't tell them exactly what to do. Because when you do that, they are depending on you. That's not independent play. Or okay. another tip is if the child, let's say, brings up that red car and pretend that it's a telephone. So you wouldn't want to say things like, that is not a telephone, it's a car. Because you are stifling his imagination. So you are there, but you don't, um, impose your ideas on him. You don't tell him what to do. You give him the space that he needs. So, however, I know there are some children who really are very attached to their parents and, um, you know, they, they, they don't know what to do. So, yes, I received that. I received a lot of emails from parents um, questioning that, whether it, it could be different age groups. Uh, I've, I've received emails for children as young as nine months and those who are toddlers where parents are worried that they can't play on their own and that they only want to play with their parents. Yes. So for, okay, so for nine months, that is where separation anxiety peaks. Mm -hmm. yeah. So in fact, separation anxiety is really normal for children and we want them to experience separation anxiety. It helps them to regulate their emotions and help them learn to cope with uh, these big feelings. So when we insist that they play on their own and we leave them alone, we are getting them to feel really lost and their amygdala is getting them to the grip of fight and flight, right? Mm -hmm. So stress. We cannot play mm -hmm. when we are away. So we need to understand that different age groups, children experience um, different things. So like at nine months, we are fully aware of their separation anxiety. And so we want to be next to them to comfort them and help them to um, guide them in their playing. Yeah. Okay. So as, from what I understand, at a different age group, independent play or, or the guidance that we offer them will be different. So if, you know, at nine months, you are present uh, and you have to provide that guidance in order for them to learn how to play independently. Is that what you're... Okay, perfect. And um, how about a child who is, you know, between the age of 18 and 24 months? If What if they, you know, don't want to play independently? How can a parent support that? 
there are many reasons why the children may not want to play independently. Probably it could be because of the toys that they have. If they mm. have mostly closed-ended toys, where you know you just press a button, the toy lights up, sounds so. <laughs> don't expect them to play independently with these kind of toys because there's just one way to do it, and when they master the skill, they move on. So if but if you provide op- more open-ended toys to play, like uh, blocks or pots or pens, then they can you know play in many ways, and you can occupy them a little longer. So that is the type of toys that will affect these um, toddlers. Mm-hmm. I also want to mention the quantity of toys. So if you put like too many toys around, it can be quite overwhelming for them. And so I strongly encourage toy rotation. Yes. Because when you I rotate agree. the toys, you bring up uh, new toys, they feel a sense of novelty, you know, and that appeals to their brain. Yes. And likely want to play it more. So quantity, quality, and that will encourage um, kids to play longer independently and also to make the resources more accessible. You wouldn't want to place the toys high up on the shelves because that would mean they have to keep calling you to get the toys down. So mm-hmm. put them at low level in, in, where it's accessible for them and you encourage them to you know, play on their own and build confidence in these little children. I think this reminds me of a post that you had, um, I believe it's with your daughter painting at a table with a window in front of her. And um, you talk about independent play. And there's a term that you use as well, which was um, a healthy attachment. Um, and I, I love that you use that and that you, you know, you speak about um, giving them this independence where everything is accessible to them as well, because there that gives them a world where they could you know think freely and 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 do what they want instead of coming to you all the time to ask you for paint or paper or crayons or a certain toy um so i think it's really important that you mentioned all that because the environment also has you know we have an impact as parents but the environment the toys and the play environment also have a huge role when it comes to independent play um and i'm glad that you mentioned all that Uh, what does play or independent play look like in your home, out of curiosity? <laughs> okay, so in my home, my setup is uh, my toys are all on low shelves. Mm-hmm. So things that the kids have no access to are kept closed, out of sight, out of mind, and then <laughs> they won't think of it. So I have lots of uh, open-ended toys as well, and I also create my own toys for them. Mm-hmm. I make the art trolley accessible to them with um, crayons, with paint. Um, I also have a creative trolley where I put scripts of papers, scissors, and a recycle bin. Mm-hmm. So like um, kitchen roll or toilet paper rolls and cardboard boxes. So they can just have a full access. It's like a buffet you know, of <laughs> toys that they can get the, uh, access to. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, so that's how I encourage them to play independently to make the environment uh, one that is encouraging and safe for them. And is the schedule of your day or your time with them, is, or do you set times for independent play and others for you know, guided play or is it just free play most of the time? A good balance of both, I would say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I do come in to um, have some structured activities, probably for half an hour mm-hmm. and after which they will head off to play on their own. In fact, they really enjoy each other's company. So, yeah. So they get to choose what they want to do after. Because I, I feel that, yeah, when I play with them, I do the structured play first. It's an intentional um, move because mm-hmm. I want them to feel 
I want to fill up their love tank. I want to fill up um, to let them know that okay, mommy's here for them. Mommy mm-hmm. has me. I feel safe. I feel happy, and now I'm ready to explore my own. I think it's so important that you mentioned that as well because for me, right before preparing a meal, I will take you know fifteen twenty minutes to play with my kids, um, purposefully because when I do this, they're able to continue playing for an extended period of time while I prepare the meal um, versus if we're doing something and then I just, you know, take off and I start preparing the meal. If I didn't spend that time with them, then they struggle sometimes to, to play on their own. So I think that's perhaps one of the misconceptions in the sense that um, we think that we have to leave them alone longer um, in order for them to develop independent play. But I think with what you just mentioned and my experience as well, playing a little bit, you know, spending that time with them and, and maintaining that bond and that attachment and, and security allows them to play independently. Yes, that's yeah. so important. And is there such a thing in your opinion as too much independent play? I, I've just, I, I received an email once um, questioning, you know, if a parent was questioning whether or not leaving their child play on their own for a, a large period of the day, the child would get bored and sort of, you know, walk around the house and find something to climb or, or to, you know, kind of destroy. So they, they were questioning whether or not there was a, such a thing as too much independent play. Well, remember during independent play, the child leads the way. Mm-hmm. So he decides. So when, when he is done, you know, he, he will move on. So he decides if it's too much independently or too little. We will know when we observe them. So that time they start to destroy other things around the house <laughs> or climb is, is a good sign, I would say, right? <laughs> he, he probably moves on because he feels bored. Mm-hmm. And like I mentioned, he has acquired the skills that he needs or he is distracted. There's so many things in the house. He hears a, a sound and he's curious to find out. Children are naturally curious, so they definitely yes. want to move around. So I don't think there's too much independent play. It really um, decides on your child. I, I completely agree. I think I'd love to ask you, I guess, to, to finish off our conversation on independent play, uh, whether or what you've seen in terms of maybe mistakes that parents make or a thing, you know, maybe a few last tips that you would have for parents who really want to help guide their children in independent play. Yeah, I, I think that one big mistake is that parents tend to be an instructor rather than a facilitator. So they tell the kids what to do during the play when the kids are young. So mm-hmm. they can, for example, um, let's say doing kitchen pretend play. You see, now you can put the cheese in the pot. Can you mix it with the spoon? Don't use the big spoon. It can't fit into the pot. So uh, you are telling them what to do. But mm-hmm. if you're a facilitator, you will say things like, wow, let's cook some cheese. Hmm, I wonder what we can use to cook it. I have some big spoons here. I have some small spoons here. So when we facilitate, we give the children the chance to think about what they want to do. And Mm -hmm. then they don't depend on us. If we keep giving them instructions, they become conditioned to wait for our instructions. So that's what um, a big miss many parents do because they feel that, oh, my baby is still young and they wouldn't know what to do. So I'm going to tell them what to do not the way to encourage them to play independently. Even if they're young, to, to allow them to guide you, even if they're about a year old or younger, there's no such thing as a mistake, right, when it comes to play. So if they want the big spoon, that's okay. Thank you so much for taking the time to, to speak with me today. Thank you, Sidi. I would like to follow up my conversation with Jacinth, um about independent play by 
talking a little bit more about the role the adult in a child's environment plays. There are a few studies that look at playing with uh, building blocks because blocks as a toy itself have a huge potential in terms of teaching your child mathematical skills. However, there was a study that contrasted playing on your own with blocks versus having an adult with you asking the right questions that will help you build these skills. And they showed that it It was better when the adult was there, whether it's the early childhood educator, the parent, the grandparent, caregiver, but the role of the adult with the child really made an impact on the children's math skills later on. So it was a study by Schmidt and all in the Journal of Early Childhood Research Quarterly in 2018 that showed that giving prompts to a child as they're playing with building blocks will help promote school readiness skills. So this study was done in a group of 59 preschool children. And what this study found is that when the adult prompts the child as they're playing, these prompts are what will help a child think a certain way and that thinking will help them develop the right skills when they start school. Um, so here are a few examples of the prompts. So if you have more than one child in front of you, the prompt could be, today your job is to build a boat together. I can't wait to see the boat that you will build together. Another example of a prompt and what they refer to as a simple prompt with a story is, I want you to use your imagination today. I want you to imagine that there is a river running right through this room. A mama duck and her ducklings are trying to cross the river and they need your help. So today, your job is to build a bridge that crosses the river so that mama and her ducklings can cross. That was an example of a story prompt. And this is followed by the children using their building blocks to try to come up with a solution. There was another category called components prompt. And an example of that is, today, your job is to build a house. The house needs to have some things that other houses have. It needs to have four walls, a roof, a way to get inside like a door, and at least two rooms. Another prompt was called a component prompt with pictures. And the example is, today I'm going to show you some pictures. I would like you to build the same things you see in the pictures. Your job is to build two castles, but the castles have to have these three really important things shown in the window that looks like this. And then you would show a picture. And they have to have a tunnel And they have to have a tunnel that goes underneath that looks like this. And then you would show a picture. I will put the pictures right here on the ground for you to see. Children that were in the group that had all of these prompts given to them by the adult in the playgroup developed their numeracy skills, their cognitive flexibility, and their global executive functioning skills, which are these really complex um, brain skills that children need when they start school, showing the importance of our role as an adult in their play environment. Once you give them these prompts, you can walk away and have them play on their own. So if you're getting ready to make dinner and you really want your child to play on their own and they're struggling, giving them a prompt and then walking away after you give them this sort of challenge might help them have this goal to work towards. I found another study that was a uh, abstract at a conference. They wanted to know if a child learned more in independent play versus guided play. This study had two groups, a group of children that were playing independently completely on their own and another group that had a one-on-one -on -one ratio of child to, to adult. And they found something really interesting. So in terms of sustained attention, we mentioned this with Jacinthe, in terms of a child's ability to remain focused for a longer period of time. Don't forget that this, that sustained attention is a skill that a child will learn, not completely on their own. Um, they do need our guidance. So you really need to provide certain activities or 
prompts to, to get them to sit longer and to play longer, certain toys and puzzles. And what this study found is that when there is an adult in the presence of a child playing, in addition to having an adult that is warm and responsive to them, helped a child maintain their attention much longer than when a child is playing on their own. So if you have a child that is having a lot of difficulty playing on their own, give it a few weeks of you spending more time with them to play, guide them, give them prompts, uh, help them open up their imagination by modeling it yourself. The more time that you spend helping them build these skills, so their attention skills by playing with them, um, their imagination skills, then you will slowly see that you'll be able to step away and they will become more independent when it comes to play. So this is really an important step when it comes to helping your child learn to play independently. And it's backed by science. There really is an important role of the adult in the child's environment when it comes to a child learning how to play independently. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, join us on Facebook, or visit our website at curiousneuron.com. Until next time, stay curious! Stay curious!